You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Hunt and Onyx Maps. Now, I got to have a a little heart-to-heart with you here real quick. I used Onyx Maps on my phone every single day during the hunting season whether i was out west during my elk hunt south dakota mule deer hunt or my rut vacation in iowa i was on my phone using onyx maps every part of the day whether i was looking at terrain features uh on the topographic and and satellite maps that they offer on their uh Uh, on their app or if I was leaving a waypoint like a watering hole or where I left my trail cameras or tree stands or if I was marking a route from a campsite to a glassing position or from my truck to a tree stand location I used Onyx Maps every single day and I feel like it's an app that made my life a little bit easier. I don't know about you, but uh, there's been times in the past where I have been trying to find a tree stand based off of memory and not off of looking at a map. And uh, I I have gotten lost in the dark before. I had to wait till sunup and then and then you know find it that way. But that problem does not exist anymore because of onyx and uh, there's a ton of other features that i think you guys need to check out go to onyxmaps.com and uh, check out uh, all the functionality of the app Uh, download it to your phone give it a try and when you do decide to purchase enter the discount code nation 20 n-a-t-i-o-n two zero and for new users you're going to receive 20% off. So, onyxmaps.com. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast brought to you by Expedition Archery. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode 58, where we talk with Kurt Heddington of Expedition Archery. Hello, thanks again for tuning into the Transition Wild Podcast, the number one source for Western big game hunting. As I alluded to in the intro, this podcast is all about expedition archery. And uh, as you know, if you've been listening for the past six months, 
Expedition has been the title sponsor of this podcast, of the blog, uh, transitionwild.com, and they've been an awesome, awesome partner, and um, I really can't thank them enough for for standing behind what I'm doing and and supporting me uh, with with a partnership. So that's been it's been really cool, and this episode is really all about the new 2020 lineup of, of expedition bows. And, and we cover a lot of the specs and and details of the models, but, but Kurt as, as vice president of the company, um, he, he's owned an archery shop as well. And it just, his knowledge on bows and the whole manufacturing process is, is really, really, really interesting. So we dive into, um, you know, some of the, the design and how to, how they build a bow and, um, some of the processes that they go through, um, from engineering to, uh, actual manufacturing, extruding, uh, forging risers and all the different components. So it's, it's, it's really interesting from that standpoint. Um, and, and it was a blast talking with Kurt. He's a great guy to have on the show, very knowledgeable and fun to talk to. So I, I hope you guys enjoy this. And if you're considering expedition archery, um, you know, I urge you to reach out to a dealer and and uh, go into your shop. If you don't have an Expedition Archery dealer close to you, ask them about it. Say, hey, when are you going to bring these bows in? Because if you get a chance to shoot these bows, I, I guarantee you they will hold up against any of, you know, quote unquote, the big uh, big players in the industry. And, and you have my word on that. I, I wouldn't be promoting or standing behind this bow as far, far as a partnership if I didn't truly believe in the company, if I didn't believe in the bow and, and what they have going on. So it's not all just hype. It, it, this is the real deal. So I urge you to check out Expedition. Go to expeditionarchery.com for more information. Let's not wait any longer. Let's get Kurt Headington on the line. Before we begin, today's episode is brought to you by Expedition Archery, manufacturer of the world's finest archery experience. Expedition bows combine aerospace level quality, innovative designs, and a fluid feel serious hunters demand. Test drive one today at your nearest archery retailer and view their full lineup at expeditionarchery.com. Why settle for status quo when opportunity and adventure awaits? Make your next hunt an expedition. All right, Kurt Headington, he's on the line. How you doing today, Kurt? I'm good. How are you, Adam? I'm doing great. Doing great. Really appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, you had a a good Christmas. How did how did everything go around the holidays? Uh, very, very good. Thank you. Uh, thank you for saying that. Merry Christmas to you as well. It's thank you. Um, it's fun. I got two younger daughters, a, a 12 year old and and uh, a seven year old. So of course, they're, the excitement in their eyes and stuff is pretty fun. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Christmas. <laughs> Christmas is like a blur at our house. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Well, hopefully Santa Santa Claus brought some goodies for everybody. That's all you can hope both for. Both the girls got new. <laughs> both the girls got new bows, so they're all jacked up. <laughs> I got a seeking some um, suspicion. I know what brand they are, but you know, we won't divulge that. Good. <laughs> Pretty good guess. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, very cool. Um, and uh, I just been following you a little bit on on social media, but I know this past fall you you had some some good excitement in the hills of Montana. Uh, you were able to take a a really good bull with with the new um, 
I don't know which model you have, the MX-15 or 16, but uh, you were able to take a great bull in Montana this fall. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, I think you've probably heard me say it before, but I mean, Montana, um, outside of my home state of Iowa for whitetails, of course, but Montana, hands down, um, is my favorite destination to hunt for for Western big game. This year, uh, I was lucky enough to be chasing uh, bull elk in the crazy mountains and and had some success on a nice six by. So, um, typical deal, and, and, and I know this is always cliche, but it literally did come down to the last day. I shot him the day six of my hunt, which was my last morning. Um, and it was a pretty neat deal. We'd been, we'd been watching the herd and the weather had just been horrible. Um, when the, when the, the rain let up and the, and the clouds had split, they were, they were hammering pretty good, but they were wadded up. I mean, we were looking at a, a, a pretty large group of elk that was hard to work and, um, we got ahead of them the, the next day, and sure enough, we were able to, to pull this bull away from the big herd, and uh, it was neat. We called them in from probably, I mean, literally six, seven hundred yards. Wow! And and it was like he was on a he was on a string at him. I mean, he read the script, and and it was cool. I had a um, my buddy with me, Matt Covington, uh, filming the hunt. And he got it all laid down with super cool angle. He was kind of behind me and. Um, it was just neat. I mean, it was a pitcher, perfect elk hunt bull comes in screaming, um, chip shot, shot him at 20 yards. Uh, so like I said, you can't ask for much more than that. <laughs> no kidding. That's amazing. And, uh, and better yet, you're out there kind of testing and, and putting the new 2020 bow to work, right? You know, I, I really wasn't. And it's funny. Um, you know, we created a lot of hype around the term fuzzy yet. Right? <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, from from the beginning or even last spring we were shooting some of them turkey hunting and whatnot but uh, i shot it with uh it was actually a prototype or final prototype um mx16 and, and realistically we made almost no changes from uh that final prototype to to the production model that you know you've seen in, in your shooting now but uh it was a lot of fun and and it, it kept everyone kind of in suspense because they were seeing a lot of blurred out boat pictures <laughs> yeah. uh from multiple states multiple critters it was it was pretty fun yeah that was fun that was fun um what uh what's what's speaking of kind of just the the bow process and i want to get into the the full lineup here as majority of the podcast but like what's what's a timeline of designing and building a bow i mean is that a couple year process like what does that look like from the initial stages a concept to design, engineering, testing, prototypes, and then actual production? Like, what does that timeline look like? Well, I can kind of give you a, a rough estimate, but I mean, the easiest way to explain it is um, it's, it's more of a marathon than a sprint. So, I mean, obviously, you, you see new models every year from, from the different manufacturers. Uh, I would argue that you know, 99% of the time, it's not like that just happened in a, you know, a six month window or a 12 month window. Um, just from a manufacturing perspective with, with lead times and such on a new design, um, even a year would be a, a, a rush, I guess is how I'm going to put yeah. it. I mean, uh, again, we are super, super blessed to have Kevin Struther as our, our, our designer. And I think Kevin's probably, you know, I joke with him, but it, like, I mean, he's probably forgot more about designing a bow than, than most people will ever know. <laughs> um, and, and obviously that's a compliment to Kevin, but I, I always joke, you know, and ask him, you know, what, what's left in the think tank and, 
and and he literally chuckles because I think he's got you know ten years of cam sitting there. And and what you don't know, or maybe he knows, maybe I don't know. I I don't know how to say this, but I mean, you don't know what's going to perfectly click, right? So, um, just to give you a a general overview, every year when it comes to planning the the pre or the the next year, I guess it's happening actually before the launch. So, like we we were talking about the twenty ones. Um, all the way back in like July and August, because at that point we had the 2020s locked in stone and we were ramping up production with parts and stuff. Um, So I I, I would call it on average, probably an 18 month cycle start to finish. And and it starts literally with, uh, you know, spitballing or brainstorming, um, you know, what we want in the lineup, maybe what we want to change to the lineup through, you know, stuff we find in testing, yada, yada, yada. Um, but I mean, it goes from, uh, what I would call a design phase into a prototyping phase. Typically that can happen relatively quick. Um, you know, just a couple months and then the prototyping is what takes the time because there's almost always multiple revisions on the original design and we tweak and we tweak and we prototype and we prototype. Uh, until we get a final approved prototype, and and that's twofold. I mean, that that's Kevin saying, "Hey, the system's working," um, and he puts a stamp of approval on it. It then moves into our R and D department here in Iowa, and basically, I mean, we are we are trying to find a weak spot, and and I don't mean that like physically with something breaking. I mean it from a manufacturing assembly perspective. You know, can does this bow do what it's supposed to do consistently over and over and over? Um, and of course we're, we're, we're trying to break it Adam. I mean, it's the gist of it. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I would call that like the, the third stage, you know, cause it, it goes design prototype R and D and then like stage four would be field use. You know, we, we sprinkled quite a few of these bows out, um amongst us at at expedition but as well as with a lot of our um media and marketing talent um for for legit field testing i mean they had them before the launch and and we wanted their uh thoughts opinions you name it and if if something would have needed a late change we certainly would have addressed it but um pretty bulletproof design we're we're very very excited about how the 2020s turned out yeah yeah 100 percent, and i'm 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 sitting here looking at and and I want to get into this here in a second, but just I have both last year's the the Mako and and then this year the MX16 and I'm looking at them and you know it's kind of an upgraded version or it is a significant upgraded version of the Mako from 2019 and and when I got the new MX16 in the mail I was like holy shit there's like like literally everything is there's some sort of change on almost every aspect of the bow, which to me was really amazing. Um, you know, especially given that you're a, not a new company, but it, you, you went through a whole process of, of moving the manufacturing and, and restructuring of the company through the acquisition just, you know, 18 months ago. And, and to, for, to come out with a bow with so many significant changes, that's also badass and shoots really well, uh, is, is a pretty amazing feat. I appreciate you saying that, Adam. I mean, I, I think everyone knows 2019 for us was uh, hectic to say the least. I mean, <laughs> we had a an incredibly short window 
um, to get a launch out, get some new bows out to the market, and and basically start to reinvent the company, right? I mean, Expeditions had a uh, a bulletproof reputation through the years, and and we wanted to keep that hype up, um, and we thought the best way to do it was, you know, go back to the drawing board, and and lo and behold, we, you know, the Mountaineer arrives, um, the Mako arrives, we brought the Thresher out, uh, you know, for the ladies and the youth uh, in, in Q3. So, I mean, I, I think what you're going to see, Adam, and I think what, what uh, our dealers and consumers are going to see is every year that we go by, you know, basically we get to step forward. And, and what I mean by that is 2019 was everything we did, we were late to the game just because, um, you know, really we didn't even get started until late June um, of 18 and, and designing and, and get ready for a fall launch. And, yeah. and because of that, all of our production got pushed back. So um, kudos to all of our dealers and, and customers because 2019 was, was a super successful year. The Mako, the Mountaineer, all the bows we released were, were incredibly well received. Um, and I thought, I, I think it did put Expedition back on the map. So with that going into 2020 and in, in the design phase uh, for the 2020s, we already had a pretty good idea um, on what we wanted to do. It's just we, we've now had the time to do it. You know what yeah. I mean? So although it wasn't, a, I, I guess, the full 18-month cycle, um, certainly it was a lot closer to it. And, and same <laughs> thing, moving into 21, uh, I feel like we're really going to be able to do everything um, up to snuff, up to par, whatever, you know, whatever term you want to throw at it. Yeah, so. 100%. 100%. Kurt, I know we've had you on the podcast before, and uh, and obviously Expedition is a as a title sponsor of this podcast. But um, and so before we kind of get into this a little bit further, can you just give us a little background on yourself, like your position with the company, and tell us a little bit about Expedition Archery as a whole? Sure. So uh, I think everyone knows the story that we you know we acquired the company and moved it out of Yankton, South Dakota. Um, about a year and a half ago now, I guess it was uh, June of, of 18 when it physically moved to Iowa. Um, we bought a, a beautiful facility here in Iowa. It's, it's, it's exactly what the, the company needed for, you know, like I said, kind of the rebirth. Um, and since then, we've been full tilt. I mean, as far as day-to-day, what are my responsibilities here? I mean, my business card would say vice president on it. Um, but, but realistically, Adam, I mean, everybody here on staff, we, we kind of all just put our heads down and plow forward because it, it is truly a team. I mean, no one – titles really don't mean a, a, a dang thing here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, day-to-day, it's, it's, uh, I'm attempting to keep the cadence and, and keep things timely and, and get stuff to our dealers – um, like I said, in a, in a timely fashion, I mean, they, they can't sell our bow if it's not physically in their hands. So yeah. a lot of my focus has been, you know, creating efficiencies, getting in a rhythm. Um, and, and uh, like I said, it starts from, from the design phase with, with Kevin through the testing and then ultimately, you know, getting the bows out, getting them through our process here and, uh, getting them in the hands of people like you. So, yeah, that's awesome. I don't know if that, was that generic enough? No, that. <laughs> That was perfect. That's perfect. For anybody that wants to hear more of the story of, of Expedition, they can go back and listen to that podcast from what we did this past spring. So, no, that's that's perfect, short and sweet. And uh, I, I imagine you've been one hell of a busy guy this past year, especially with really getting into a rhythm. And, uh, you know, you recently had the 2020 launch mid-November. Like, was this, this past fall just an absolute 
crazy time for you? <laughs> it, it's it, it's funny now, even just sitting thinking back on it, because I mean, 2019 was literally a blur at him, and, and, and like I had mentioned, I mean, we dug ourselves uh, an incredible hole uh, <laughs> having a late November launch with the, the Mako and the Mountaineer and then going to ATA and, and writing uh, a substantial amount of orders, uh, quite a few more orders than we expected to. Um, we created quite a hole to dig out of. And, and, and honestly, it took us almost the entire season uh, to do that. So I, I'll say to any of our, our customers and or dealers, I guess, that, that are listening to the podcast, we appreciate your patience. I mean, a, a lot of the lead times from, from order to physically receiving the bow was was longer than designed um our goal for for 2020 is is to tighten that up a lot uh where bow gets ordered doesn't matter how many bows are ordered we're, we're going to try to adhere to about a two-week lead time on bows um parts should always be able to ship within a, a 24 to 48 hour window so like, like i said i mean that that was the the biggest thing was getting in a rhythm because really there wasn't a rhythm we created it right so uh between the hype and and trying to plan for for the 20s i feel like we're incredibly well positioned i mean the the launch went off uh knock on wood kind of without a hitch i mean we were able to get dealers um pre-ordered bows on their doorstep within about a 24-hour window around the launch so that that created a lot of hype and, and that was a big advantage for us because as you know, last year we launched and a lot of those bows didn't even start showing up to the dealers until well after ATA. So this year we launched, the dealers had the bows, um, the hype was there. People were able to go, you know, test drive the bows right out of the gate. So uh, sales have reflected that and, and we're, we're excited that ATA is just around the corner and um, we're signing new dealers at an awesome rate. Um, we're we're super excited about it. And, it's it's one of the biggest things we hear and, and you know we get contacted a lot and people say hey i don't have a dealer close um you know how, how can i work with you guys and want to give you guys a shot that sort of thing and and that's the beauty of you know we work with um gartland and associates and jes out in the west yep uh as our rep groups and, and those guys are doing a great job you know spreading the word um and answering the dealers that are saying get in here show me these things i want them you know and and uh, it's exciting it's an exciting time at expedition and and i don't see anything slowing down in literally in the near future whatsoever so we're, yeah. we're jacked yeah that's so cool that's so cool and uh you mentioned ata uh you guys obviously have a a really good presence there um what what other sh- are you doing other shows i know you do other dealer shows but is there any consumer shows on the lineup for 2020 where maybe people can go, you know, from the public, go shoot them if there's a show nearby or what does that look like? So to, to your point, Adam, I mean, we do the, we do do the big dealer shows, obviously ATA is kind of the grand poopaw. Um, but as well as like NABA and MBS, um, we'll be at those shows. I mean, we're, we're realists. We know a lot of Western dealers don't travel, you know, all the way to the ATA. They, you know, they, they stay home, but they, they yeah. do one of the buy group shows that will attend out West. As far as um, consumer shows, the only one we have on the docket, and, and, and I actually foresee us doing this one forever, is, is the Iowa Whitetail Classic, the big deer show in Iowa. Yeah, um, pretty close to home. We do that one as – exactly. And, I mean, it, it's – you know, this is our home state. We want people to be aware that Expedition is an Iowa company. I mean, there, there's some loyalty there. 
Um, so we always show up and do that one, um, which we're pretty proud of. Last year we brought a, a display of deer between um, a handful of us expedition employees and, and a couple of our uh, pro staff guys. I think we had like 3,000 inches of antler on a pedestal there. Um, super, super impressive group of deer that we brought to that show. But uh, like, like I said, we don't sell consumer direct. So yep. it, it's literally we go to that consumer show to, to drive demand and, and get more people walking into our dealers. Yeah, so. yeah. 100%, 100%. Well, it's been really cool for me, you know, being an ambassador and, you know, you guys support me on, on the on the podcast and the blog. Um, but it's been really cool that, like, I've had people reach out to me saying, you know, I bought that bow because I bought an expedition because of you and, you know, and, and that, that was really cool to have people message me like that. And then I've also ran into people, like, just out and about in public that have uh, believe it or not, I think it was around Denver, uh, more so than, than where I live, but I ran into a guy there. He had an expedition hat on and we started talking for a while about the bows and, you know, it's, it's actually a really, one thing I've noticed, it's a very, um, loyal following. It's almost like a, like cult-like, right? Like, I don't want to use that word in a, in a bad terminology, but like very, people are very loyal to expedition. That's one thing I've noticed. You know, and, and, and obviously we appreciate what you're doing, Adam. Uh, I mean, being being part of the, the transition wild team's been been awesome for us as well. So, I mean, thank you for that. It's the the biggest missing component to expedition is is truly that right. Like people people don't know what they don't know. Um, so spreading the word, whether it's, you know, your blog, your podcast, uh, all the social media stuff we're doing, our media partners. Uh, that's all critical to us right now because uh, the level of awareness has been raised. And, and the goal is that end consumers are walking into their local pro shop saying, where's the expedition? I want to try out expedition. You know, what, what's this, what's the story with these guys? Yeah. And it, it's starting to resonate. You know, I mean, um, the, there are, there are a lot of dealers calling right now, um, and they're not just calling to bring us in as as brand five or six. I mean, they are. We are in talks with some of these guys to bring us in as maybe even a replacement for one of the big three because they 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 see the hype, right? And, yeah. and then they test the bow and they're like, "Wow, you know, this is one of those deals." Um, if I could blindfold everyone and they were walking into shops and and they got to shoot an MX sixteen up against any competitor bow, I I would feel very very strongly that in a lot of cases we're going to win that battle um so when when brand gets set aside and and we love it i mean our our whole industry is very brand loyal regardless of of manufacturer and and i always use the you know the analogy it's like asking a, a ford guy to drive a chevy well most of them <laughs> uh won't you know won't even give it a look and and i think those are are very much the same. So yeah. that's why we tried to create, you know, dealer programs um, that incentivize the dealers to, to at least give us a shot. You know, let, let, let's have the side by side. Let's do this. Let's, let's compare specs. Let's compare performance. Um, we know we're right there. If, if not above a, a lot of the big heavy hitters. That's so. awesome. I see it as well. And uh, you know, ever since I uh, knew you were part of the company and, and, you know, I've worked with you for, many years through quiet cat on your archery shop side and, and dealer side. And, you know, uh, I, I think the people, uh, I think if people actually knew as well, like the, the staff and the company itself, the internal employees, I mean, that's a, 
that's also what makes a company. I mean, it one one's a product, but the people behind it, like you mentioned before, but it's just a you, you've got a well-oiled machine, and and uh, I think the hype will only continue. And it's not just hype; it's it's actual performance, and it's a badass bow. So, looking forward well, to the future. I, as like well. I said, appreciate you saying that, and 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 you were spot on. I mean, you bring up the the, the term like cult like. I mean. I give kudos to a lot of the other brands because I mean, they have created cult like followings. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the one thing, and, and we're going to strive for this forever, Adam is, is the fact that we want to be more relatable. You know what I mean? And, and this is a group of diehard hunters um, that all want the same thing. We want the best bow ever. And I mean, uh, uh, our president, Mark Heck, um, made a comment on video uh, around the release that that's resonated with me, but I've now heard it from multiple people where the bow is just an extension of them. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and that's the goal, right? When, when that bow comes back, there is no hesitation. You have all the confidence in the world. Um, and that's really what we're trying to do. And, and you'll hear us say it, you know, we're, we're making purpose driven bows. Um, there's not a bunch of hype with our bow. It, it's functioning right like it's it's purpose driven it, it's supposed to be a killing machine it's supposed to be an extension of your arm um th- that's ultimately our goal and like i said we're we're deeply rooted we want to have that the family value feel um and that's I, I think you could ask any of the employees here um the dealers even our end con- uh consumers or our customers that that end up having a an expedition in their hands i mean you're going to get treated like family. I mean, that's just, that's, that's our nature. I mean, call it Iowa nice, call it what you want. But um, like I said, we feel, we feel very blessed to be in the situation we're in and we think the the future is brighter than it's ever been. So hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, let's Kurt, let's dive into the 2020 lineup. I kind of want to break down starting with the flagship bows and then go through some of the different offerings and models uh, that we have on the docket for 2020. But um, let's start with the MX-15 and the MX-16. Um, can you give us kind of the, the overview specs? And then I want to then jump into, you know, some of the, the big changes for, for this year comparatively to uh, last year's Mako. So let's start with the MX-15 and 16. Uh, kind of give us an overview, break those two bows down. You bet, you bet. So the MX-15 and MX-16, um, both which MX just simply stands for Mako X, um, we carried that forward just because the Mako was so incredibly um, popular last year. So, I mean, with, with that said, the the bow itself characteristic wise is similar to the specs of a Mako. So you're at 32 and three quarter brace height or sorry, brace height, axle to axle. Um, the 15 version of course uh, is a five inch brace and the 16 is a six inch. So the, the one thing we heard last year was, you know, some people wouldn't even give the Mako, you know, per se a fair shake because of the five inch brace and the, the perception of, of what you're giving up or that yeah. sort of thing. I, I think the, the Mako broke down some of those perceptions because that was an incredibly smooth shooting bow, um, but it was also bringing some heat, right? It was very fast. Yeah. So playing off of that, like I said, the spec-wise is, is similar to the 15. Um, the biggest difference, and whether it's the eye appeal, uh, however you want to look at it, but, I mean, the new cage riser has been, been incredibly well-received. People think that thing looks awesome. 
Um, and, and I agree, it does look awesome, but I mean, we went there more on function, um, than, than for the look, you know yeah. what I mean? It, it turned out looking super cool, but that riser is incredibly stiff. Yeah. Incredibly stiff. Yeah. Uh, no, very, it's very rigid riser. Yeah. Give us, uh, um, give us the reason, um, break down kind of the engineering process. Like, so last year, the, the, the Mako was, um, was it a cast aluminum riser? And then this year you went to a forge, like tell us the difference between the two processes and like why it's such a big difference. Sure. Sure. So realistically speaking, there's, there's three processes in which, you know, manufacturers make their risers and, um, what used to be the most common is an extruded riser and an extruding a riser is simply taking a, a block of billet, right? Taking our 6061 aluminum in a, a big chunk and you're, you're literally forcing it with incredible pressure through a die. Oh, wow. um, so as you can imagine, like the, the shape of the riser is, is what you're going for so that you're not machining it, you know, out of a, out of a billet, you're starting with a, a pre-shaped billet, I guess is how I'm going to explain an extrusion. Yeah. So, um, that, that's the, actually that was every bow expedition had made up until we made the cage riser bows for this year. So, I mean, that's, that's forging in a nutshell. <laughs> Got it. Um, or sorry, that that's extrusion in a nutshell. Forging is actually taking a billet and with, uh, using compression, we're literally, forcing the shape to happen and it's it's through compression um that it's happening and and the end result is a stronger denser material um and it because of the density you get less of the you know the tuning fork effect with the riser so long story short is i mean forging is a stronger process in which to make a which to make a riser um part two of that is when you forge, it can be three-dimensional. So obviously in this case, we have the cage riser so that the, the cage riser literally gets machined on all four sides. So, you know, flat on, on the shelf slide, flat on the other side, and then vertically um, on both sides to get the cutouts because now you got, you know, cutouts going every direction. Yeah. Um, so, so moving to a forge, uh, was kind of a no-brainer for us because truly it creates a, a better product, uh, but it also played right into our hand because we were we were moving to a four or a, a caged riser uh, to create that that extra rigidity. And uh, people, the, the one thing people don't often talk about is um, you know kind of a phenomenon, I guess I'm going to call it the, the the archer's paradox, which is literally the difference between the bow at rest and the bow getting drawn and, and the effect of it, you know, so is, is the riser twisting? Is it, is it turning limb, limb twist, you name it. It's, it's the effect of, of all the energy going through that bow and how much it affects it from static to full draw. And, and that's really what we were going after was to create more consistency. Um, and stiffening up the riser is, is a massive step uh, in doing that. Oh so yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to go all, all nerd on you on this, but uh, uh, we're, we're excited. I mean, we we do think now we have the best process to to start our risers and no. forge. No, yeah, I I completely agree, and I nerd out, Kurt, because this is this is the the platform <laughs> to do it on. I mean, the, the long form conversation of podcasts. This is you, you don't get that anywhere else. So I I love getting into well, the I, details. 
the the one thing you know that that I will explain. I, I think a lot of people confuse the forging process with casting, um, and and casting just to bring this full full circle on all three processes. Casting is literally pouring, in essence, pouring hot, you know, liquid state metal into a shape um, and then allowing it to cool. And, and although that's effective and, and, and cost effective, it, it actually results in the, the weakest of the risers. You know, if, if you had to pick between forging, extrusion, and, and cast, cast would be the weakest. So, I mean, oftentimes you'll see manufacturers use a casting process for, for like a price point bow, maybe a, a youth bow, that sort of thing. And certainly it's, it's plenty good for that, but on the, the high end flagship where, you know, where we're still trying to play off the aerospace design concept. I mean, forging, forging the top of the heap. So yeah, yeah. that's how we landed there. No, it's really cool. The riser's a significant improvement and, uh, and you feel it too, you know, when you shoot the bow, I mean, there's, there's less vibration than the Mako the previous year. I mean, it feels dead in the hand and, um, it's, it's quite amazing. And, and like you said, earlier uh it looks badass <laughs> too with the with the caged look i mean it just looks really neat yeah we look we, we think the lines on on the bow turn out you know incredible and like i said look big hats off or kudos to kevin struther because um no doubt he knocked it out of the park again uh so riser designed this year like like i said I, I i think second to nobody i think it's as cool as anybody's if not cooler um, of course, that's opinion based, and I'm biased. But I mean, <laughs> uh, even somebody that doesn't know expedition looks at an expedition, and they look technical, right? They look super cool. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So another another big change for this year was the cam design on the on the flagship bows. Um, talk to us about that. Talk talk to us about the HDS cam and kind of what's different, what makes it uh, new, and and some of the changes that that Kevin Shrothered had made for this year. Yeah, so the, the, the one thing we, we were attempting to do was keep the performance up, um, but also keep it incredibly adjustable and, and dealer-friendly. Um, so, so as you know, Adam, I mean, it, it's a rotating mod, right? And, and there's a long range of adjustment. There's five inches of, of travel with uh, the HDS. The cool thing with the HDS cam, um, and I think the, the thing that's been most well-received is, is not just because it's performing and incredibly smooth, but that we're giving uh, the archer the option to run uh, the traditional limb stop uh, as well as a cable stop. So, um, you know, in my previous life, I'd always shot cable stop bows. I'd never shot a limb stop bow, and it's dramatically different. Like, they feel different, right? I mean, the, uh, a limb stop creates a, an incredibly stiff back wall, and a cable stop, I don't want to use the word spongy because I mean, properly tuned, you can have an incredibly solid back wall with cable stops, but it's definitely a different feel. And depending on how the archer wants it to feel in the back wall uh, is really what we were trying to accommodate. I mean, if, if you're a pressure shooter and you're pulling through the shot uh, versus a relaxed shooter, uh, I think the argument would be uh, cable stops actually feel better. If you're a pressure shooter, if you're a more relaxed shooter, the limb stop is, is kind of a no brainer because it creates a, a perfect stopping point. Yeah. Um, yeah. so given the, given the fact that you can do either or, um, or honestly, even a combination of it on, on this bow, 
makes it pretty unique. Um, and like I said, the performance coming out of the the cam and, and the, the draw force curve on the thing's tremendous. I mean, it, it's kind of a, a constant load. There isn't a, a big peak in, in Valley with this cam. Yeah. Uh, it's been super popular. I mean, people are, people are pretty stoked about that cam and, and that's why you see it featured on literally all of the new 2020s. I mean, every one of them, the 15, the, the MX series, the DLX and the escape, they're all running the HDS cam. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And it looks, you know, with, with some of the changes in the, in the design, it looks like it's a little bit more beefy. It's like a little bit more structural as well. Um, from a durability standpoint, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just kind of what I noticed looking at them side by side here. All everything we do, Adam, I mean, we're testing these bows up to 140 pounds of draw weight. So, um, although that's very overkill, I mean, that, that's what we're ultimately trying to do. You know, I mean, will a cam fold over, you know, will something break? We're, we're trying to make it, um, you know, same thing. You climb to 11.7 on, on some epic elk hunt or sheep hunt or whatever. Uh, we want the bow to be the last thing you worry about um, having a, an issue with. Yeah. So uh, some of the, I'll put it this way. I don't know that we necessarily had a beefed up cam in mind because the beefier the cam, the more weight you're transferring in the shot cycle. Um, ultimately, that affects efficiency, speed, um, you name it. But just given the fact that we added the track for, for the cable stops, that put more material on the cam inherently. So um, nonetheless, you know, all of this combined, I mean, we're the, the HDS cam is exactly what we set out to do. And, and um, in our minds, it's it's getting close to the perfect cam. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I I can see that. And the and the other thing, speaking of durability, uh, the limb pockets you put on this on this bow, the MX15, the MX16 are just they're they're insane. I mean, they're they're you, you can definitely I feel confident knowing that I will never have an issue ever with <laughs> with a limb or any sort of tweaks or anything that limb pocket is is uh probably could survive the apocalypse for sure <laughs> you know it's funny you would say that and obviously by design I mean one of our um for sure one of the biggest focuses we had going into the the 2020 was was limbs number one and then the limb pocket number two so Although we, we did make some inline changes uh, to the 19s to, to help with the stability of the limbs, um, going into the 20s, I said this is going to be one of those things that's rock solid, 100% consistent, and we achieved that. So, I mean, the, you, you look at the limb pocket, um, and although it's similar to last year, the, the biggest addition is you actually have what I'm going to call little arms, right, that are connecting the front pocket to, to the rear pivot. Um, and it create it ends up making it a one piece, but really it's four pieces, right? We're putting, we're putting the front on, we're putting the rear on, and then we're adding the arms, uh, to lock it in place. And, and, and the end result is awesome. I mean, it's, it's incredibly consistent. It's incredibly durable. Um, and I think you're going to see more of those kind of changes moving forward, Adam. And, and like I said, we, we talked purpose driven. I mean, we want these things to be literally bulletproof yeah and, and that's that's kind of what we set out to do well for like you said for for me as a western hunter especially i mean you're miles into the wilderness or uh, it's not like you're walking 400 yards to your tree stand i mean if something goes wrong and you're on an extended hunt um you know you're you're kind of shit out of luck it's not like you're bringing a backup bow up to 
11,000 feet. But, you know, w- w- for me personally, I love the durability. Like I want to be able to throw my, bo- not that I'd ever do it, but I want to be able to throw my bow down a mountain and go down there and it's, I can still shoot the damn thing, you know? And, th- and that's where I feel like these 2020s have really went to, um, which is huge for me as a Western hunter. No, and, and, and dude, we're right there with you. I mean, it, all joking aside, I mean, I, I literally ran. I shouldn't say I. Um, <laughs> but when I when I was in Montana this year, I had set my boat on. We were taking some pictures of my bowl. And um, like an idiot, you know, and in the excitement, I mean, we ended up backing over it with, with a ranger that had an elk <laughs> in it. So oh, just from a weight perspective, we're talking, you know, literally a couple thousand pounds driving over my bow on, on a rocky, you know, rough mountainside, basically. <laughs> and um, believe it or not, the only thing uh, that broke was my quiver. Um, <laughs> oh, it, wow. did, it did bend my rest, but it did not do anything structurally to the bow. Um, and of course I was panicking. Thankfully I'd shot my bull already, but I mean, um, just kind of a, a real world that wasn't meant to be a test, but it, it got put through it and, and, and the bow came through it with shining colors. So. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. And I can see why, um, just, just having the bow in my hands here. And, uh, so that's really cool. And, and, um, were there any like changes to the, to the limbs? I know that you did a different coding process, I believe, but any, um, changes there? It, there, there were, um, so we, Last year, and, and, and again, I mean, I think a lot of our dealers that are listening or our consumers that are listening, we, we ended up having a batch of limbs that had a feathering issue. And, and people that are familiar with that, I mean, it looks like little micro cracks. Um, and although it, it, it's 99.9% of the time it's cosmetic, right? It doesn't actually functionally change the bow or, or even make the bow unsafe but it looks bad. And it's one of those things that if you think something's wrong with your bow, your confidence just immediately sinks. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I was on a mission from God to find a better uh, process to, to do with our limbs. And, and like I said, we tested and we tested and we tested um, until we settled on, on our final process. And I mean, a couple of things came of that. Number one is we, I would never promise that a limb can't fail because like any moving part, certainly there's going to be things that happen over the course of time. But what I can tell you is this, Adam, I mean, we put these things through incredible scrutiny before we change the process. Um, and we have yet to see one fail. So we're jumping up and down about that. But part two of it is cosmetically our limbs are, are literally prettier or more perfect than they've ever been. So it, it doesn't matter if, you, if you're running black limbs or if you're running camel limbs, they all get um, the same process up front with this coating. Um, and then, you know, like I said, then they're colored. But um, we're, we're excited about what we figured out with limbs, and, and we think it's the way forward for sure. Yeah, so. yeah, that's great. And, and some of the other changes, um, like you've, you've upgraded the roller assembly. Uh, looks like the limb dampeners have been changed as well um the the cables and harness um some some other notable changes as well yeah i mean i think the the big one that catches everyone's eyes of course uh the riser the limb pockets it's a new cam uh we we did upgrade the the limb dampeners themselves that's an axion product uh they're they're a great partner of us and 
um, you know, th- that's partly cosmetic that, that, that it flows with the lines of the bow better. Um, but it's also functional, right? When we're, when we're testing, we probably tested like six different designs of limb dampeners and we're looking for performance changes. We're looking for, um, vibration and, and or noise changes. And, and the ones we ended up with, I, I, I think are a perfect happy medium. They look great. Um, and they serve the purpose of, of cutting some of that, the, the shock out of the, the shot cycle. Yeah. Um, yeah. the roller assembly, like I said, Adam, I mean, we went from what I would consider a more traditional slide, uh, to a roller bearing assembly. Same thing there. I mean, through testing, uh, the, the roller bearings definitely do make it a little more efficient. Um, so we were seeing somewhere between, a like a 1.2 and two feet per second difference. Um, from a slide to, to the roller assembly, um, same thing with the bracket that it rides on, right? I mean, some of the bows in, in 2019, we were using an actual uh, a flex guard there. Uh, we went away from that and, and went to a fixed position bracket um, that's pitched, that angles back to relieve the, the side load with the cables. Um, so like I said, all, all with the premise of trying to make the bow as consistent as possible. Um, and we like where we ended up. I mean, uh, like I said, I those are the, those kind of changes are what you're going to see us keep trying to push the, uh, the throttle moving forward and, and what, where we, you know, whatever we can tweak and evolve, even if it's a modest change, um, it, there's purpose behind it. So hundred percent, hundred percent. So the MX 15, MX 16, um, what's the MSRP on those bows again? Uh, MSRP is 1099 maps at 999. So I would envision any shop you walk in is going to be somewhere in that hundred dollar range, 999 up to about, uh, 1099. Very cool. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a, a great price point for a flagship bow, um, as good or we're, if not better than, than any of the big ones. We, we, we're putting a lot of focus on trying to keep the bows reasonably priced i mean some manufacturers are you know at at a whole different price level and and you see it right i mean it's starting to resonate people are talking about it like you know the the average everyday guy couldn't buy a bow if they wanted every year um so we're cognizant of that and and we're trying to keep that in mind um the one other thing adam just from like a, a feature benefit uh perspective with all the new bows um, we moved to BCY's 454 material, um, which is a brand new string material. And same thing through testing and testing and testing. I mean, we are very confident that that is the best material available right now. And, and you're getting it as an OEM product from, from Expedition. I mean, gas bow strings, same thing. Uh, incredible partner of ours. Eric Griggs and his staff, I mean, they've been awesome with us through, through prototyping and testing. I mean, it's, that, that's kind of a, a ball that never stops rolling because Eric Griggs is like a walking encyclopedia of all things. String, material, performance, I mean, he understands it inside out. So between him and, and Kevin knowing what he's looking for in, in this, I mean, that the, the 454, I, I, I can speak volumes to it because, I mean, like I said, through our testing, um, we proved without a question of doubt that it is the best material out there. And that's why you see all the 2020s featuring it. That's cool. And I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's like, that's something that the average person, even myself, I look at and I'm like, that's ah, just a bowstring. But when you explain it that way in, in the testing and, and it's really kind of like a, 
a custom, you know, almost a custom type string, but on a production bow, which is really neat. You know, and, and it, I, I've always chuckled through the years because, I mean, it, you could ask any string maker, you know, and, and I don't even care at what scale, if, if they're big like Gaff and some of the other large guys or, or if it's a dude in his, in his own shop that's got a jig. But, I mean, everyone, um, you know, would, would claim to have the, the magic sauce for making the perfect string, right? Yeah. And, and I don't truly know what it is, but what I do know is um, – you know, in a partner like Gas Bowstrings and, and Eric Griggs and Cody Hall down there, those guys—they're <laughs> geniuses. Like they—they know—they know exactly what's going to happen when we mix the material, or you know, how far to stretch a string, or you know, the, the the best way to make it. And I mean, it's a testament because I mean, we have almost no complaints about our OEM string. And I mean, you bring up the fact that it's like the equivalent of a custom string going on your bow. And I'm going to echo that Adam, because it truthfully is, um, 454, like I said, the most premium product, we offer it to our dealers in, in 10 different colors. So wow. if, if your goal is to, to have a custom looking bow or string on your bow, um, we're offering it. And, and the, the beauty of it is we, we are keeping them solid. So like, we're not twisting up two different colors. We're keeping them solid. Um, and that's also part of the consistency. I mean, any, any colored string is actually dyed to get it that color. Um, that affects the weight, the density. I mean, the, the, there's a, a lot more that goes into it, but I mean, the, the gist of it is, uh, we feel like it's the best string available um, and if, if you haven't looked into gas bowstrings, I mean, you need to, cause these guys are doing a, a tremendous job. I, I would argue it's the fastest growing string company, um, out there and for good reason, cause it's, it, it's the right dudes doing it. That's so. great. That's great. Really cool. Really cool. So that gives us a pretty good rundown of the, the two flagship bows or the flagship series, MX 15, MX 16, um, and all yep. the new features and, and, and with that, we can then move into the Denali LX or the DLX. Um, that's a that's also using, uh, if I'm right, a lot of the same uh, cams and and same features, but in a different design. Exactly. So I mean, obviously the riser uh, again is a forged cage riser, uh, but the lines are different, right, um, than the MX series. But, I mean, I, I would still consider it like, you know, th- this is a cousin to the MX series. Biggest difference being a uh, little longer axle-to-axle. Th- this bow stretched out to 34. Um, brace height, uh, same thing, a little longer there at 6.5 inches. The the one thing we heard from day one, Adam, loud and clear, was people loved, loved Expedition's original Denali. Um, and, and I think even, even originally when Expedition rolled out the, the first Denali, that bow fell plumb into that area of somewhat crossover hybrid. And, and, and all I mean by that is, I mean, obviously you can take a 34 inch bow hunting, um, but it's also set up pretty well for, for punch and foam on the tournament line. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and we knew that, right. So when we, when we set out to create, you know, call it the new generation Denali or the DLX. That's exactly what we were trying to do. We wanted high performance with the attributes of what a lot of ASA, uh, you know, or end or tournament shooters for that matter, what they're looking for and, and the results, the DLX and the DLX has been incredibly popular. Um, 
part of that, I think, is we're offering uh, the, the DLX and, and really all of our bows this year, uh, we're offering in, in custom colors. We call them the custom target colors. And if you haven't seen them in person, you need to. Um, that is one thing I would also bring up with the 2020 line. We, we did change our decoration process um, entire, entirely. So whether it's a, a, a solid colored bow um, that's powder coated or, or one of our camel bows, the fit and finish is second to nobody. Um, and I, and I true, truthfully, I think the custom colors or target colors are the best there are. They're, the, the finish is unbelievable. Like I said, you got to see it to believe it. We added a couple new colors. Um, Renegade purple and lights out black are, are the two new colors for the year. And, and they've both been incredibly hot. We've been selling a lot of them in, in the new colors. So DLX, the uh, same thing. If you haven't shot it, you got to give it a ride because that thing is, for a mid three forties bow, that's thirty four inches axle by axle. I, I think it's in a league of its own. Um, if you're comparing another bow with those specs, I, I I don't think it's touchable. It's it's an awesome machine. Do you do you see more demand, or do you see more archers, like maybe bow hunters that are just strictly, you know, chasing a white tail or elk or whatever? Do you see more of a trend towards target archery and and tournament shooting? I don't necessarily know if it's a trend. Adam, but I mean, I, I can tell you this, that target archery in general is, is a growing segment of our industry. Um, and, and I don't want to say it's like the forgotten uh, piece of it, because I mean, it's still percentage wise, a small slice of a big pie, right? And I mean, most of the pie is made up with, with the hunting community. Um, but I think it's like, there's all kinds of different shoots popping up now, right? As far as like, you know, the, the extreme shoots. And I mean, they're all over the place. Um, the total archery challenge. I mean, a bow that sets up both for, for hunting, but with the target shooter in mind, I think is the perfect mix. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I mean, our goal really with the 2020 line was to set out and say, here's the perfect hunting bow here's the perfect hybrid bow. Here's a shorter axle to axle hunting bow. Like we were literally trying to fill in the gaps. Um, so regardless of, of what your passion is, uh, you got an option. And in a lot of cases, um, the, the guys that are diehard, a lot of them are running like a DLX for, for ASA shoots and, and 3d stuff. Um, and they're running an MX series, uh, or, or the escape for their hunting bow. So, we're, we're just trying to make sure we got all of our bases covered. Yeah, that's really cool. And and you touched on a little bit, and apologies on me kind of skipping over this, but uh, what are the camo uh, color options and what are the solid color options for uh, the flagship bows? Right on. So, yep, for, for this season, uh, if you want a camo, we're doing the Realtree Timber, which is which is a darker pattern. I think originally it was designed for, like, wetlands, you know, duck hunting and stuff. Okay. Um, but it's become incredibly popular. So we're offering that we're seeing that, that that's been really popular down South. Um, the brand new Realtree escape, which that thing's hot off the presses. Um, that, that's a big launch Realtree's doing, and, and we're happy to be partnered up with those guys and, and having it on our bows. That pattern, if you haven't seen it, you need to give it a look. It's, it's more objective. It's not, um, uh, you know, leaf and twig, like, like your, uh, you know, real tree edge or a mossy oak pattern. Yeah. It's, it's more objective. And it's originally, I thought it looked like a Western 
pattern at them. Um, and I hunted with it and, and wore clothing in escape this year here in, in the Midwest. And I'm telling you, I think the, the color mix and the objective pattern, uh, this thing's set up for anywhere. Yeah. Um, and, and I personally think it's the, the coolest pattern out there right now. So we're stoked about the escape, but, um, you Western guys, I, I, I would probably say that is like the per se, it's going to have some Western appeal for sure. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and then of course, real tree edge, um, is in the lineup, uh, still incredibly popular. Um, and then, uh, as far as the solid colors, uh, the molten black that we've had for, for a few years, and then the tactical sand and the ops green, um, round out the, the solid color options. Yeah. Yeah. And those, those look really cool as well. I'm running the, the black on black, everything. And, uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of that guy that's just the, the plain Jane black, but I think it looks cool. It looks badass. <laughs> no, right on. And it's each their own. And, and, and that's why we, that's why we tweak the, the colors. And I think you'll continue to see us doing that. Um, but we're, like I said, I fit and finish, uh, I'm patting everyone on the back that we partner with on this because, uh, fit and finish on the 2020s is, is literally second to nobody. So for sure. Uh, so we've covered the, the, the two bows, we just covered the Denali. Let's talk about the escape. Cause that's a, that's a really cool, like you said, you're filling in the gaps for, um, this is more of a compact bow, a shorter axle to axle. Give us the specs on that one. Sure. So uh, same thing. The escape has been uh, actually more popular than we than we anticipated, which obviously is a good problem to deal with. But the escape is is smaller in stature. It's 30 inches axle to axle. Um, very lightweight, right around four pounds. Uh, running the HDS cam and it's fast. I mean, this is a, a 30 inch bow that that's going 350 feet per second at at, at full IBO. Um, can't say enough about it. I mean, if uh, same thing, Adam. I mean, if you haven't had a chance to shoot this thing, you need to. I will um, at ATA. It's it's <laughs> it's one hundred percent turning heads. I mean, people are like, you know, this is incredible. And same thing. I mean, I you know, I kind of mentioned it with the Denali being incredibly popular. Um, Expedition had an Explore SS that was a thirty inch bow with incredible performance. This is a playoff of that, right? With people were asking for it it fell out of the lineup last year we brought the escape back in this year to to fill that that short axle to axle void um the lines on the riser this is an extruded riser <coughs> excuse me um the lines are cool because it's kind of a blend between our 2019 mako and the original explore ss so it looks super cool it's got the x cutouts in it um, and beyond that, I mean, limb pockets are the same as what you're going to see on the other bows. Um, and like I said, it's run the HDS cam, but, uh, if, if you want to hold dynamite, you know, the, the whole, you know, uh, power in a small package, I mean, the escape fit, it, it's a rock star little bow. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. And similar, uh, price point to the, to the MX models. Yeah. It's a $10 difference. Uh, MSRP on it, it's ten eighty nine. Same thing. I think a, a lot of dealers you'd see it on the rack at MAP, which is nine eighty nine. Um, but yeah, very similar to the MX series as far as pricing or costing. Very cool. Very cool. Let's cover the Mountaineer axe because this is getting into more. Um, so the three bows we cover, covered were kind of more of your the high level, the, the the flagship bows with a lot of the new features. Um, Mountaineer axe yep. is a is a is a mid level bow, um, you know, but also a badass bow. 
still high performance, but at a lower price point. Kind of break down the Mountaineer for us. Yeah, so so the Mountaineer, and I know we've discussed it in the past, but I mean, it's it's kind of the in the middle bow. And what I mean by that is 33 inches axle to axle. It's got a seven inch brace height, uh, so it's an incredibly forgiving bow. Um, the the V cam, the XS V cam on there, that that'll push speeds up into the 340 range. And, and the price point there, right? I, I think most shops, uh, the MSRP on it's eight forty nine. Uh, a lot of shops are selling them at seven ninety nine. Um, so I mean, for eight hundred dollars to get the performance and feel uh, that you get in the Mountaineer, uh, same thing. We think it's the the best in in that price point category. Yeah, yeah. So we obviously brought it in nineteen. We're keeping it in twenty, uh, and we're keeping it in the twenty lineup for good reason because it was incredibly popular. Uh, in 2019 yeah and i think you know i i think as you continue to see the 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 prices of bows uh go up and obviously every bow manufacturer has different levels but we're constantly seeing that the the prices uh (laughs) eke higher and higher and obviously some of that's due to inflation and just material costs but uh you know, I I, th- I think Expedition does a really good job of having those different tiers and price points to fit a variety of of budgets to to meet different needs, and I think that bow really serves that while keeping you know the performance and and overall value there. Well, we and we heard it from our dealers, right? I mean, if if every one of our Expedition bows, regardless of brace height and, and axle to axle and the specs. If they're all the same price, right? I mean, if, if somebody walks in and here's here's the four expedition bows and they're all the same price, um, it might take us out of the mix uh, because yeah. certainly there are people that walk into their pro shop and in their mind they're like, I got eight hundred bucks, I'm going to spend on a bow, right? Um, if if that's their mindset when they walk in, we just lost the battle before it even started. Yeah. So that's exactly why the Mountaineer is priced where it's priced, and and like I said, pound for pound or you know foot per second versus foot per second. I mean, I, th- I think the Mountaineer, um, you know, same thing. I mean, it, it's in a category of its own. It, it's simplistic, but it's everything you would need um, to do anything in the bow hunting world or shooting world, archery world in general, and it's 800 bucks. I mean, it's yeah. very reasonable. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, another bow here, which I thought was really cool, uh, the Thresher Axe, and that's really geared more for – uh, teens, beginners. Uh, it's a great bow for women just because it's uh, has some lower poundages and um, further draw length adjustment. But uh, tell us a little bit about the Thresher. Yeah, the the Thresher. We're, we're excited about the Thresher. We're still excited about the Thresher. And, and like I said, we rolled that out um, in Q3. And, and same thing, we had a category in mind, right? We didn't really have. Um, a bow that I guess you would say is for a smaller statured um, shooter. And, and, and whether it's woman, a, a youth, or, or a full-grown adult that just happens to have a um, shorter draw length, I mean, that was our goal with this bow because the top end of this bow, is, it maxes at 60 pounds and 28-inch draw length. Um, but it goes all the way down to a 23-inch draw length or a 30-pound um, limb configuration. Wow. So. All in all, Adam, like if you take this bow at, at 2860 and run an ideal calculator on it, it's the equivalent of having uh, the Escape, but in a miniature version. And, and I say miniature because it's, it's just under 30 inches axle to axle. 
Um, the IBO rating at 6028 is 328. So, like wow. I said, you run a calculator up to full IBO, um, it's a 350 feet per second bow. Um, so it's a little rocket ship, and it, it only weighs <laughs> about 3.6 pounds. So yeah. it's, it's it's been incredibly well received. Uh, the the bow has has actually been through quite a few different independent reviews, and some people even call it the the best one in the lineup. Um, which just makes us excited because just because we were, you know, going with a, a lighter weight, you know, like I said, smaller archer in mind, we didn't take our eye off the, the performance end of it. And, and this bow is, is living proof that it, that it's possible. So same thing. I mean, price wise, uh, MSRPs at, at, at six you're going to see it somewhere in that range, um, at, at any of the dealers, but it, it shares a lot of the same, features as as the mountaineer um and it does run a, a cam exclusive to itself called the vt um the xs vt sorry about that but uh one neat thing we're doing and, and i'll mention this on the thresher x is we have a program called the future stars program and in essence what that means is you know if, if you as dad or you as mom goes into a shop and, and you buy your you know your kid a, a thresher x we, we will allow one upgrade to the limbs. So, you know, maybe they started with 30-pound limbs and, and now they've grown out of that. That's super easy. You want to bump them up to 50. Um, we're doing that for uh, a reduced limb upgrade price. Uh, and we call it the Future Stars Program because realistically this bow should fit most archers from the time they're, um, you know, early teens um, in, until they're an adult. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And, and the other thing we did was offer a what we're calling the lady killer option. And that's simply just us putting some uh, purple accents on the bow. Some people want it, some people don't, but uh, we're offering it as an option because it changes the, the green on our decals uh, to purple. We're, we're running a purple string. It just it, it tweaks it a little bit, customizes it and softens up some of the, the, the looks. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And like you said, it's, it's really a bow, uh, for a beginner to really grow with and, and still when they outgrow it, they can swap out the limbs and it's still a, a badass legit hunting bow. It's not just a, you know, a intro bow that, and, and that's, is what it is. It's like something that you can grow with and then really hunt with and, and have high performance as, as you, you know, oh, go on, you know, uh, I, I'm telling you the, the, the people with that, you know, just a shorter draw length, right? I mean, a, a guy that's five foot tall or five foot one probably doesn't have a 30 inch draw. Um, and, and we didn't want, like I said, the performance is what we really had in mind. So, I mean, even, uh, at the shorter draw length, this thing is still performing like, <laughs> like any of the high end flagships. Um, so like I said, whether it's the price point or the performance, um, it's just a skinny down expedition. And like I said, the lines on the riser are awesome. It's got the X cutouts. Um, we were stoked about it when we released it and we're still stoked about it because it's, it's been incredibly, uh, successful with our dealers. That's great. That's great. And the last bow, which you guys had last year, uh, the perfection XL, which is your target, uh, shooting bow. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the uh, couple minor tweaks you'll see on the the Perfection XL. Number one that I would that I would mention or, or make mention of, I guess, is is the finish. So um, most of these bows go out of here in one of our, our custom target colors. Um, those have all been upgraded this year. So I, 
as these bows have went out, it's, it's created a lot of hype um, on social media and the internet and whatnot. Um, but our target finishes are awesome. Uh, I'd mentioned it before, but we added a couple colors this year. Um, the other thing you'll notice is we did go to uh, a roller assembly slide. So in place of, of the old ATR, uh, which was a machine cable slide. Um, it now has a fixed position rod with a roller bearing slide uh, for the cables. Got it. Got yeah, it. Perfection XL. I mean, for for you paper target guys, um, same thing. If you haven't shot it, you need to give it a give it a legit try. I mean, it, it's a cool design. It's a, a straight riser bow, uh, 38 inch axle to axle, little bit over eight inch brace, incredibly forgiving. Um, and still relatively fast for for those specs. I mean, it, it'll it'll push speeds up to about 320 IBO. That's badass. I love it. I love it. So, kind of with the, the with the dealer in mind, what uh, you know, where where can people go to find uh, a local dealer? And you know, what if if somebody is listening that has a shop or knows somebody that has a shop, like what's the process of becoming an expedition dealer? Um, you know, for anybody that's listening. Absolutely. So the, the probably the easiest way to find uh, a dealer is go out to our website, Expedition Archery. Um, there, there's a dealer locator. You can punch your address in and it'll, it'll pull you up the closest dealers. Now, uh, we're realists. Um, and although we have a lot of great dealers, uh, we are adding them uh, very rapidly. So if, if there's a dealer out there listening that's interested and wants to know more about it, um, they can reach out directly to, to Expedition Headquarters here. Um, all of our contact information is out on the website. Um, so check there, send us an email, give us a call, whatnot. We'll align you with, uh, with our rep that, that geographically handles that area. And there's just some pretty basic paperwork to get started. Um, and we'll have you off to the races as an expedition dealer. That's awesome. And, uh, one thing I noticed too, uh, you guys really put a lot of effort into a lot of just like informational tutorial videos on your website like so you, i know you you were a big part of that doing a lot of like youtube videos of um just general tips on like adjusting certain things or the the uh the draw length or um i can't remember all tuning your bow and stuff like that like just a lot of good information on the website as well and and those videos are really helpful not only from a consumer but for a dealer as well i'd imagine yeah, and I mean, the, the goal there, and, and you're going to see more and more and more of that, Adam, um, our hybrid system is unique to us. So the actual camming action on our bows is unique to us. And if you're a dealer that's only dealt with, you know, a, a, a binary system or, you know, any of the other systems for that matter, um, our hybrid system is unique. And, and with that, there's advantages. Um, and and the, the biggest advantage I would point out is, it's hands down the most tunable system on the market. But if you're not used to tuning it, um, you need to learn how to tune it, right? And, yeah. and that's where we're kind of trying to jumpstart that and, and help people understand that, you know, a turn on this cable or a turn on that cable or, or even properly yoke tuning your bow, all of that plays into the performance and the efficiency of the bow. So our goal from factory is to send our dealers perfectly tuned bows. But as you know, everybody's different. So if they end up changing the draw length, you know, and rotating that mod around and resetting the stops, we want that dealer um, and end consumer to understand how to manipulate the bow 
to get it to feel exactly how you want. You know, same thing with um, our stop system on our bows. It's incredibly adjustable. So, I mean, some archers want more let off, some want less. Um, and they, they want to up their holding weight. Um, very, very minor tweaks uh, to the stops on our bow, you can greatly impact the feel of it. So it's kind of the old good in, good out. Um, we're going to do our best and continue to do our best to send perfectly tuned bows out. But we also want to educate people about Expedition because they're incredibly tunable. You, you can, it's almost endless how much you can manipulate one um, and the, the core competency there is we're still always trying to achieve perfectly level knock travel. So if you have perfectly level knock travel, that's number one, and then you can change the feel with the stops. Um, but, yeah, we're, you're going to see more of that than ever, Adam, on, on I don't even want to call it like training tutorials, but kind of best practice, yeah. I guess, is how I would put it. And, and uh, that's information we want to share. I mean, we, we think it, it's unique to us. Um, our system's unique to us, and we think it's the best one out there. More people just need to understand it uh, to take full advantage of it. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and if someone is listening, they've got a shop in their area, but they don't carry expedition, um, wh- like, and they want an expedition bow, like what's, what's the process look like there? Like, can they go into the shop and then that dealer can then order in, um, one for that customer or how does one go about getting a bow, uh, if there's no dealer in their particular area? Yeah, there's actually a couple ways to skin the cat. Obviously, we'd always be huge fans of you walking into your local shop and asking for an expedition, and um, and, and and maybe that turns into us, you know, getting on a new dealer. Um, but in addition to that, we did change um, our online sales policy for for 2019, and, and we're continuing that trend for 2020. We do allow dealers to sell online. Um, there's some pretty strict guidelines. On, on how that has to be handled because we don't want any dealer per se stealing from another dealer in their dirt. Yeah. Um, but that said, I mean, realistically, if, if, if you're set out to get an expedition and there isn't a dealer in your area, um, there are quite a few of our dealers that, that have become very savvy on, on positioning and selling bows online. And, and we're in full support of it. Cause like I said, if, uh, if someone's four hours away from a dealer, and it makes more sense for them to order one. Um, there's some great dealers that, that go above and beyond tuning a bow before it ever ends up at your doorstep. So, uh, like I said, there's multiple ways to, to get a bow in your hands. I mean, our goal is to continue to grow our dealer base and be very dealer-focused moving forward. And, and as that happens, um, you're going to see Expedition in, in more and more shops. So hopefully it just keeps getting easier to get your hands on them and, and give them a test drive. For sure. For sure. So what's next, Kurt? Like, are you guys already working on the 2021s and you know, kind of looking at the future? What's 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 going on in your neck of the woods for the, the better part of 2020 and, and leading into the new year here? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, future statewide, yes. The answer is yes on the 2021s. Um, we that actually started all the way back like i said in about june july we really started looking at at what we wanted to do for 21 so we are well into the prototype phase um and looking forward to to bringing that to an end so that we can get into the the testing phase uh in the very near future it it, it's it's like i said it's an evolution or it's a marathon that's never going to end um because as soon as we 
we do something, we're going to be looking at, you know, next steps to, to improve on it again. Uh, and that's really what's cool about this, Adam, is, um, you know, keeping that needle moving. We don't want to fall into the, the minutia of, you know, change a line here or there and, and relaunch a bow. We want to keep the needle moving and, and pushing the innovation on, on what these bows are capable of doing. Um, so that, like I said, that's the marathon we're constantly in. As far as um, future state or, or near term, our goal, like I had mentioned before, is, is to keep our production up so that bows are or, orders in and orders out of here just in, in as short a window as possible, um, give our dealers more time to sell the bows and uh, promote the line. So That's other really than that, cool. dude, we're, like I said, the hunting seasons are coming to an end and um, we'll start ramping up for, for spring turkey and spring bear and uh, you name it. That's great. I can't wait. I can't wait to get out and put this thing to the test. I had a, you know, this fall was pretty crazy for me. Uh, had a newborn baby at the end of August, so it was right smack before <laughs> elk archery season here in Colorado. And it's just been a whirlwind of change. It's been amazing, been awesome, but it really uh, cut down on the bow hunting this fall. So <laughs> I'm looking forward no, to a I, fresh I, start for this year. <laughs> I've I've been there, done it, and, and you know I'm a, a whitetail guy through and through, or uh, near and dear to my heart's whitetails first for sure. And uh, I always joke because my youngest daughter, uh, her birthday is actually on November 9th. And I, and I oh. think it, it <laughs> arguably could be the best day of any given year to be in the in the tree stand. And, of course, that's when my little daughter was born. So I, I feel your pain, brother. I mean, the, the only suggestion I'd give to you, Adam, is get one of them uh, baby Bjorn strap things. <laughs> And uh, you you can use your kit as your uh, as your rucking device when you start training for for elk hunting next year. I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna do that. <laughs> I need it. I've uh, I, I've been uh, a little bit lazy in that department, so I've got to I've got to shape back up. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I think last year when I was getting ready to go out west, I I took my my seven year old's tiny, just a little statured thing. Um, and she weighed about 40 pounds and I'd put her on my shoulders and strap up the boots and then start climbing hills. And she got a kick out of it and I got a little better workout than I would have <laughs> doing it myself. So food for thought. That's really cool. That's really cool. Well, I love it, Kurt. Uh, I'm happy to be on board with expedition. Uh, I'm really looking forward to 2020 and, and really appreciate you coming on the show. And, and with that, um, I'll be seeing you here in just a, about a week, a week or so at ATA. So I'm looking forward to meeting up and seeing the, all the models in person and talking with some of the staff. So I, I can't wait, man. Right on, right on. Looking forward to seeing you, Adam. And, and again, we appreciate what you're doing for us. Um, we're excited. And, and like I said, we're not taking our foot off the throttle. So if, if you haven't checked out Expedition, get out and check it out. And uh, I think you'll like what you see. All right, and that is it. Another episode in the books. Big thanks to Kurt for coming on the show. Had a blast. I learned a lot, and and it was cool to kind of geek out and hear about all the technical details and and engineering and and uh, really what it takes to produce a high quality flagship bow in the year 2020. It's it's uh it's pretty amazing what they can pull off, and and uh, fun to hear Kurt talk about that. If you guys are any sort of interested in expedition archery again i urge you to go to a local dealer and and shoot one you're not going to be disappointed i'm shooting the mx16 for 2020 
absolutely love that bow and with a lot of the the new features and and designs that they have for this year um again for me as a western hunter it is a bulletproof bomb proof bow that i feel highly confident taking into the backcountry um, this isn't just your run-of-the-mill production bow this is really well designed a lot of engineering and, and a lot of um you know thought <laughs> and love into this work for for 2020 so it's it's really cool i'm i'm very excited to start really getting it out and shooting it i've been shooting it for the past two weeks since i've gotten it set up and and uh, absolutely loving it so far all right that is it again thanks again to expedition archery as being the title sponsor of this podcast really really appreciate it and also shout out to our other partners Sculpture coffee and outdoor edge knives thanks again happy new year and we'll talk to you soon